Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I am Carlos at Equity Burn. Joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. Um, happy holidays, everyone. And Angry Boy, Matthew Hubertson at No Pit Stops. Could never be happy at all, personally. And for the last time ever, for real this time, Reed at Pac-10 Reed. We tricked Avery. Um, tricked Avery into what? Into try into going double or nothing on Cal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she really fucked that one up. That was a horrible decision from you. If any of you have been to any acting classes or improv classes, you know that you never say no. You say yes <laughs> and. <laughs> and that's how you keep things interesting. How and many so of when I was presented have... with the choice, <laughs> I have it. I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I was with, presented with the choice to do that, that's interesting and fun. So you have to do it. And you know what? I fought Cal. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. That's what I've been saying. Uh, Reed is getting fired uh, because he hasn't followed me back on Twitter. Reed, are you going to follow me back on Twitter? Why Why do I have to? What are you talking? You should have to pay him. We're, pay we're, Reed $20. We're I hope you know that. Anyway, uh, please bully Reed at Pac-10 Reed to follow me back on Twitter if you've got the guts. We've got lots of Pac-12 sporting events to discuss. We'll talk about UCLA. We'll talk about Cal. We'll talk about the rest of the bowl games. We'll talk about a fun Pac-12 basketball slate. We'll look ahead to the next wave of bowl games and much, much more. But first, a programming reminder. We're folding our basketball episodes into our football episodes until UW is done with the playoff, at which point we will go exclusively to basketball. But... We've also got Pac-12 football Patreon content for you on Wednesdays uh, in the middle of the week, all throughout the offseason, so go check that out. We also had a special announcement about the future of No Truck Stops that we posted on YouTube. Uh, The synopsis was that for the 2024-2025 season, we will split into two episodes, Big Ten episode, hosted by yours truly, Reed and Avery, and and Greg and Matt will be in off-camera roles, and a Big 12 episode hosted by Greg, Matt, and also Avery, with Reed and I in off-camera roles. And for college basketball, we're focused on West Coast college hoops, including conferences like the West Coast Conference, the Mountain West, and, of course, UCLA and Arizona. Uh, we'll work out more of the details when we launch that in August, but we just thought we'd let y'all know what we've uh, what we've decided here. Uh, other housekeeping, as always, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like the video, comment away with your thoughts in the YouTube chat. Uh, we're we're coming close to needing needing another uh, gimmick to try to get people to subscribe. Any uh, Any ideas? Our last one didn't work out so well. We need a we need a better gimmick. Nothing, nothing from the gap peanut gallery. Okay, cool. Um, we'll figure that out. Follow us and tweet us at No Truck Stops Pod on Twitter. We will make Carlos watch Cal football <laughs> next it's, year. It's, oh, okay. That's I'm not watching Cal football next year. Um, but we all we are going to the Cal Stanford. Despite not covering. We're not not? going to cover either of those teams, but we will be going to to their game. Anyway, uh, podcast listeners, follow the show on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. We got a new review on Apple, but it was a four-star review. Daniel, if you're listening, give us a five-star review, and I promise we'll read your propaganda on air. Uh, The rest of y'all, let's get to work uh, over the holidays. Let's uh, get a five-star review. Send us a gift by giving us a five-star review. That's on my wish list, by the way, for this holiday season. A five star review, a new five star review. That's what that's that's on my, my list. My wish list is for you to shut up. <laughs> and as always, well, we're on a podcast. So good luck with that. Uh, as always, we have content <laughs> on our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. We have written content up there this week. We're taking a break from our regular Wednesday episode uh, for this week, and we'll be back the following December twenty eighth. But we do have some stuff up there for y'all to check out. Now we did a review of each 
Pac-12 teams football season as if it were a movie. Those are a blast to write. People seem to enjoy them. Uh, I'll have a written piece up or two, uh, up or uh, maybe two of them over the next couple of weeks. So go check that out for just $5 a month. All right. Let's get done uh, with housekeeping and get into the rest of the episode, starting with some football. Reed, take us away for our first bowl game that we're going to talk about here. In the L.A. Bowl, UCLA faced off with vaunted Mountain West champion Boise State in a high-stakes game billed by the Bruin fan base as a referendum on Chip Kelly. (laughs) Despite opt-outs, injuries, and insinuations from the Broncos head coach that UCLA did not want to be there, the Bruins responded after falling in an early 16-7 hole. Colin Schley went down in the third quarter, but Ethan Garber stepped up in relief to lead touchdown drives on four of their next five possessions. Offensive studs J. Michael Sturdivant and T.J. Harden broke out for big days of their own, squashing any criticism over Chip's misuse of them in the first 12 weeks. In the end, UCLA earned a 35-22 statement victory, garnering mass support from Bruin Nation and paving the way for a savvy extension by Martin Jarmond in the near future. You're a fucking troll. Uh, anyway, Grapes, you didn't get to watch this game, I don't think. I think you actually did get to watch bits of it or something. <laughs> we, I was at a holiday party. They were watching the NFL games because for some reason they have NFL on Saturday now. Nothing is sacred anymore. Whatever. But every time the person who cared the most about the NFL got up to do something, we took the remote and changed it to the UCLA <laughs> nice. game. And then they would return and say, is the NFL game over? And we'd be like, yeah, but then they'd figure it out. Um, so I was watching very little amounts of this game. All I have to say is I think Chip Kelly did a great job this season. I think um, UCLA fans should be excited for the future. I, I can't see it going anywhere but up. <laughs> Matthew Ubertson? No, I completely agree. You, you look at the season <laughs> that UCLA has had and the just <sighs> the absolute tumultuous uh, up and down roller coaster. I mean, do, do they even have a quarterback on the roster at this point? I know they don't have a kick returner because they never have. But do they? I mean, the the complete turnover. Everything is falling apart. And you know what? Winners fucking win, right? Like winners win because that's what winners do. And Chip Kelly is very clearly a winner. And and I do not think that we give him enough credit for that. He has won everywhere he has been, and will continue to do so at UCLA. You. Mm. Uh, your irony is not funny to me uh yeah whatever this is a fine game whatever i I, it's (laughs) we our buddy schwa says winners go eight and five um that's right uh, yeah this was this was a a weird game uh boise state did get up early on and it really did feel like ucla was on quit watch like big time quit watch uh at the end of the first half uh ucla had the ball with an opportunity to do something field position wise and Chip Kelly sort of let the clock go. I, like, and there was a minute left. Like, it was not. It was, it was not like, it was like ten seconds or something. There was like a minute left, and Chip Kelly just let the clock run out. Uh, didn't call a timeout until like twenty seconds left. And by that time, it was too late to do anything. Um, and at that point, it was sort of like, okay, Chip Kelly's mailed it in here. Sounds like it's not gonna. Sounds like this is gonna be. This is gonna end uh, in humiliating fashion. Uh, how many times have we seen it? A Pac-12 team that was down on their season going into the, you know, this is the L.A. Bowl. used to be the Vegas Bowl where the Mountain West champ would play. Um, 
and then the Mountain West champ got up for the game and won. Uh, that's not what happened. UCLA did come out in the second half and had an, a fantastic game. It was very stupid to to what Rita lead alluded to, primarily for J, J. Michael Sturdivant and, and Kyle Ford, too. They actually got run in this game. Completely disappeared for the 11 weeks. Uh, feel like we did not yeah. see those dudes at all uh, this season. There was all this rumbling in the background and, you know, Twitter DMs and in group chats and all this other stuff that the receivers were really pissed off at the quarterback situation. And, you know, J. Michael Sturdivant was pissed off, felt like he shouldn't have transferred here from Cal. Uh, and then suddenly, you know, uh, he is a central part of UCLA's game plan. So that's cool. Uh, very weird. Very nonsensical. Uh, defensively, UCLA was anywhere from shitty to fine. Uh, it was not a good performance from them generally. But uh, they did, I guess, hold Boise State to, what, six points in the second half? It was fine. I mean, they did wake up a little bit. Uh, they did get a pass rush. They did get some pressure on Boise State's backup quarterback. As always at bowl games, I feel like there's not much to take away here. But uh, I don't know. Did, I guess it's. I guess if you're a UCLA fan who is not uh, completely blackpilled and not at this point rooting for losses for UCLA actively, so that Chip Kelly can get fired, this is you know it's good to end on a win. So I don't know. Any other thoughts about this UCLA game? You have such a bad attitude. How can you say this was a defensively shitty performance when Boise State was held to 35th percentile in success rate and explosive play rate only 86 percent? Do, do any of you have an it's authentic fine. thought on this football game? Or are you all just yeah, going to be irony It's a build. fucking bowl game. I do have no. a thought. I, do have a thought. Okay. I think that the best thing about winning bowl games is you don't have to throw away all the stupid bowl game merch that you bought. So if there's one silver lining here is that UCLA fans can hold on to that sweet, sweet LA bowl Gronk t-shirt. I don't know what it looks like. Who and bought, if you have bought, fun memories. Still, if you bought an people, LA people bowl shirt. always buy it. Please people always tweet do. at us. Tweet at us with a picture of your LA bowl t-shirt. 2023 LA Carlos. Bowl. And if you've Still got an LA mine. Bowl UCLA champs shirt, even better. Send us a picture, please. We will, we will retweet it. wear my 1994 Liberty Bowl champs <laughs> shirt regularly. There's one, one of the colors they chose for the LA Bowl is bright green. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. I, and by the way, I did not find this whole Gronk shit very funny. Like, as a, you know, as a presentation gimmick thing. Uh, I... Arizona he was, hatred. He was cringe. Oh, he's just stupid. I did not. I didn't think he was. I don't. What did he do? Yeah, I he's know. just a like, bunch I, I of dumb frat boy shit. You know, Rob Gronkowski shit. It wasn't like Jimmy Kimmel where there was like actual jokes sprinkled throughout and thoughtful humor. Uh, our buddy Matty Schwaz says in the chat, Barstool vibe with Gronky there. Not going to lie. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was a Barstool vibe. It was dumb. It was cringy. But... He's always yelling. He's yelling, and I don't know. He's not very – he's actually not that charismatic except for, like, some slapstick jokes that a football player wouldn't normally do, but for, like, a host of a bowl game. It was silly. Um, it was I just, I just think that the best thing for UCLA going forward oh my is, is Jaden Ott is in the portal, and obviously <laughs> UCLA is going to get him. <laughs> God damn it. Really? Is that is that a fact? <laughs> Wait, did you yes. did, did you, you get fooled? I definitely do? watched the video. I was telling you a joke <laughs> and getting a segue to the next segment. Uh, God damn it. Yes. <laughs> that was good yeah, delivery because I was like, That Matt. was almost as good as Jaden Ott's delivery saying he was going to the transfer portal. <laughs> 
Uh, I just let- know that UCLA fans have been really excited about Jaden not coming for the last four years, and I'm I'm really excited that they for sure get the opportunity this time. Hey, there's still time. I, if I'm Jaden, not I transfer transfer after this game. Let's move on to the other game then. <laughs> Texas Tech <laughs> beat Cal. 37? I, I wrote these shout-outs before I was pushed over. I think it was 37 to 14, 34 to 14. 34 to 14. 34 to 14 in Shreveport, Louisiana in the Independence Bowl. This game looked like it was going to get really weird early uh, after Texas Tech fumbled the opening kickoff. Cal recovered it at the Texas Tech 25 and immediately scored a touchdown on their first play. Uh, and then it looked like it was going to be a shootout. The two teams tied the game at 14-14 with 13 minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, eventually, Texas Tech pulled away. They hold Cal scoreless the rest of the way. Grapes, I th- did you watch this game? I can't remember. I I watched it until it was clear it was over, and then I couldn't. This was my 9-11. <laughs> this was the worst experience of my life. I, as you listener may know, I needed Cal to win this game so that I could have... I don't even know how many points it was. So many. It would have been like 50 bonus points or something crazy like that. Um, and it didn't happen. So I'm a loser. It's fine. I, <laughs> I <laughs> the one line that like makes me chuckle quietly to myself is Jaden Ott had 45 yards on 16 carries, but more than half of his yards were off of one carry. Yes. That's really bad. And so coming off of that video, if you didn't see it, Jaden Ott made like a very serious video where he sat down and explained he wasn't coming back to Cal. And then he was like, ha, just kidding. And then it was a highlight video, which I think was a bad decision (laughs) for him. But I'm glad he really loves his school. Personally, I would not feel great about that video and I would delete it and be like, actually, (laughs) I'm reconsidering my options. Reconsidering my (laughs) options because this is not. Yeah, a bad performance from Cal. And their lines, too. Like, to your point, their offensive line got completely worked here. Reed, I know you want to do some narrative ball here. So uh, go ahead. What did you think of this game? No, no, it's okay. A lesser co-host would take this opportunity to bring up Oregon's week two game against Texas Tech. (laughs) Carlos's point that TCU and Wisconsin were much better teams. I think um, that's true for SP plus, by the way, his preeminent uh, or his, his uh, talk before this game about how much narratives he was going (laughs) to, you know, talk if Cal won the game and they ended up losing by 20. So a lesser co-host would bring those things up. I don't want to here. Um, I just want to focus on the Cal aspect of this. I mean, I told I told you all in the preview they weren't going to be able to run the ball. Like, they, they just don't have a good offensive line. It was really funny because Cal Twitter was super positive for like the last two weeks. I don't know if any of you all saw this, but like Cal Twitter was just delighted by the future of their program yeah brimming with brimming (laughs) fucking brimming with optimism about cal because justin wilcox went six and six in year seven a year after going five and seven like and they're still fighting me on it they're still telling me that it's like oh well we beat ucla and at least we're not ucla i'm like what the fuck are you talking about i've never seen a fan base go this hard for a coach this bad like, Justin Wilcox is a fucking joke. It was a joke that it, that Oregon offered him the job and desperately wanted him to be their head coach. It was a meme for Oregon, wow. and Cal fans are convinced that this is their guy. I am baffled. So- I have no idea what's going on. I feel like I'm being trolled right now. Yeah, I... I- 
It's it's just strange. I think that like the Mendoza things been fun. Ott's a fun player, but like the reality is they still have a bad offensive line and a mediocre defense. Like utterly mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um so, I'd say I'd say flat out bad. I I, I don't even think it's mediocre. I think it's bad. bad. Yeah. My reasoning for thinking Cal wins this game is when you look at a meaningless bowl game like this and you see that one team has their good running back playing and they're like probably good quarterback playing and the other team doesn't have those things, you pick the team with the starters that showed up. Um, I also don't know shit about Texas Tech, but I will say their head coach said this was their most complete game all season and that's very embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Um, yeah, Callet was able to get nothing going. Fernando Mendoza did not look good. Uh, he looked good early on, uh, and then and then things took a real turn for him. The line, Cal's offensive line, you're right, Reed, just got completely bowled over. Oh, uh, they got nothing going. And then defensively, this is as bad as they've been, honestly. They've, this, they've been this bad. They are uh, coming into this game, they were 85th in SP plus defensive rating. Uh, that's not – that's – Flat out bad. That's like a garbage defense. And from a coach that is supposed to be a a good defensive coach, the irony is not lost on me that UCLA and Cal both played. And one year six head coach is supposed to be an offensive guru, coached a dog shit offense all year, but had a pretty good defense. And then the other coach is a year seven defensive guru. He uh, coached a dog shit defense and had a pretty good offense this year. A lot of weird shit going on between those two programs, but this is a horrible uh, game from Cal, generally. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. This is like, uh, they had nothing going. They got nothing going after those first, you know, three drives or so. Uh, if any Cal fans are listening, I'm not convinced we have any listeners that are Cal fans. Yeah, the, way I've, the, way I've, program, the way I've scared them which off, is fair. Yes. Uh, This is a promising season if you're in year one or two of a head coach after rebuilding like you are past the point where you can be excited about this or this is a promising season if you're like a new a new d1 team if you're utah tech (laughs) i don't i don't know how you can be excited about this one that was so what was what was crazy about this is that like cal twitter was incredulous about this i was like watching i'm like i guess i'm very plugged into cal twitter now because they found me and harassed me um but they were just like you are the one being harassed you're right (laughs) (laughs) but they were just like man like what this team is nothing like the team that we saw over the previous 12 weeks what are you talking about they have not been good this year they lost to utah by the same score like I, what I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my fucking mind with Cal fans because I'm just like, you. Cal is not a good team. They're like I don't know how you could watch them flail against Texas Tech at six and six after getting after the season they had and be like, oh man, where was the team we saw earlier in the season? What are you talking about? It's nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. I'm like I said before. I miss when fans deleted their Twitter <laughs> accounts after an embarrassing <laughs> loss. Like you need. To take a break, don't. Most fan bases just shut the fuck up. I mean, that's my experience as a former Utah fan is when they, they had an embarrassing away. loss. I was gone. Yeah. <laughs> you would not see a fucking tweet from me. But I also have shame. So maybe that's the difference. I have so many people to call out right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, yeah, this is – it's it's weird. It is so weird. Um Anyway, this game kind of sucks generally. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't tuned in much for the presentation, like the Independence Bowl stuff. But like, 
It's the 11th oldest bold game. Is that true? Really? God, that's yep. so sad. I don't know why they share that fact. I that's don't think that's it kind matters, of embarrassing. But... Yeah, that's embarrassing. I mean, I feel like how when not even top ten. Uh, w- this game started in 1976. It's not that old. So, okay. Anyway, yeah, Cal uh, Cal loses to Texas Tech, uh, the Pac-12's bottom feeding bowl teams. I guess you could say uh, have all decided to just take a shit here to start the bowl season so that is fantastic what a new and exciting experience what a for us. new and exciting experience okay that's it let's let's have we no 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 have we talked i i had to step away for a second did we talk about how this reflects on the oregon washington debate yeah or reed already did yeah okay good okay no, I, I i sidestepped that conversation he was doing the colorado he did the colorado debate ah, with Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough uh yeah texas tech by the way of, of the texas tech tcu wisconsin teams texas tech finished lowest by the biggest margin uh in sp plus just, uh, in, yeah. case you, just Surely, in case you're wondering wait, but te- oh, now he cares about but metrics. texas tech did play tcu with a backup quarterback and then what happened in that game don't care head to head doesn't matter you know that and wait, as, but, someone, and, and, as someone wait, who watched and, oregon and, and washington the, play the, Wait, but the root of our argument was Colorado, no Wazoo, and this. Oregon. Who who's better between Colorado, <laughs> Wazoo, and Oregon this season, Carlos? I uh, had I I went I had a horrible accident in about October <laughs> one, and um, I had to say I don't remember anything. I'm, you're just catching me up now. Um, <laughs> and, anyway, we got a few we got a few games and a few holiday games. So let's uh. Let's play some holiday games. This uh, podcast is so Christian coded. We got a religious pilled <laughs> no truck stops so, podcast. So bad. <laughs> um, we got a few holiday <laughs> games here. Let's get in the spirit. Look, uh, we the holidays are a great time. Everyone enjoy is enjoying being with their family. It's, the weather's lovely. So let's uh, let's get in the spirit. Avery, you got the first game. Take us through it. Yeah, our first game here is um, you. You have asked Santa for one wish to play in a Pac-12 bowl game. He said he's placing you in the bowl game you'd be most successful in as a starting quarterback. Carlos, which one are you picking? I think I'm picking the Fiesta Bowl. I think that a replacement level quarterback for Oregon would do. A about 80 to 90 percent of the things that Bo Nix does um I am below replacement level but I also feel like behind an offensive line where I get to just sit back and hang out uh I'll be fine so I'm gonna pick I've thought about this I think I'm picking the Fiesta Bowl I feel like I feel like I could go in there and you know I I, I could throw a touchdown because all I got to do is just dump it off to Troy Franklin as quickly as I can and then and then he takes care of the rest so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Reed are are you also wanting to replace Bo Nix? <laughs> no, I, I think that this question was left up for interpretation. Successful by what metric? To me, the choice is obvious. I'm going with the All-State Sugar Bowl. Uh, I will be the starting quarterback for Washington. I'm excited. Night before, going to lead the team around New Orleans, go back to some of my favorite spots. Um <laughs> And then, you know, kick things off versus Texas. <laughs> Give it my best shot, and we'll see what happens. Did y'all know Reed is taller than Michael Penix Jr.? <laughs> is that true? <laughs> Aren't, you're 6'4", right? Yeah. Yeah, Michael Penix is 6'3". <laughs> oh, that, means, that means Reed would be a better quarterback. <laughs> Denver Broncos have spoken. <laughs> 
What about you, Matt? I'm. I was also gonna go Sugar Bowl because I'm a lefty, and so I'm. I'm going to an <laughs> offense that is already catered to a lefty quarterback. Um, I also am going with the old USC strategy of give me the team with the eight best wide receivers in the conference, and I'm pretty sure I could like I can get the ball 20 yards down the field. I'm very confident in my ability to do that, and Roma Dunze will make me look fantastic. I also feel like the choice is very easy, but I'm going in a very different direction, and I will be replacing Ben Goldbranson in the Tony the Tiger symbol. <laughs> you might die. You I might feel- die, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> if successful means you want to end it, that's the, that's the I, right one. I would love to have a future as a head coach of Oregon State football, and I feel like playing quarterback for them is how you get there. Uh, <laughs> If Jack Plummer could be a healthy Notre Dame in his time at Louisville, I can be a very absent Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl. So, very excited for that. I don't know who I'm playing with, but <laughs> or who you're throwing to. I mean, I guess you, that would be true. <laughs> that would Beefs. be true regardless of either yeah, way. But anyway, good luck to Sorry, you. Sorry, Ben Bolbranson. Good luck. Did you see that? The graphic the Oregon State put out. Ben Bolbranson. Bowl, oh, that's terrible. Ben bowl, like bowl game, Branson? <laughs> yeah, because he won the bowl game last year against Florida. Oh, my God. He won the bowl game last year <laughs> against Florida. Man. He was the MVP. Surely it wasn't the defense who yeah. allowed zero no. points for 59 minutes and 59 <laughs> seconds of that game. <laughs> Absurd. The fucking ridiculous field goal I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was such a bullshit field goal. I was so mad at Florida. Uh, Billy Napier ought to be canned for that alone. Anyway. Well, he's going to be. Don't you worry. Yeah, it seems like he really is. He seems like he's gone. Uh, next game here. Like you know. I, I, I actually do know that. I think for my, I think I keep up more with the Pac-12 teams with, for whom the narrative is strongest. Um, and the Florida game was very narrative rich-wise until we realized that uh, Utah was going to be rolling out uh, their, their backups all year. Um, we got another game here. You're putting together your wish list for Santa for Pac-12 teams as they go on to their new homes. Uh, it could be a wish for a specific team or a group of teams or however you want to go. So, Reed, let's start with you. What is on your wish list for the Pac-12 teams as they go on to their new homes? I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm excited for the Big 12 teams more and more. I'm excited by the recruiting that uh, ASU and Colorado are doing. So, yeah, I, I just hope that that group of teams absolutely destroys uh, – everyone in the big 12 and then i also hope that oregon gets some new safeties and uh walter nolan <laughs> yeah uh quick uh, this is a good a good uh prompt here reed utah arizona colorado are they finishing in are they all finishing in the top four of the big 12 next year oh god that'd be delightful <laughs> <laughs> I, it would be so good what do you i what's your I thought think, no I, I don't think Fuck, there's really not punishing defensive lines in the Big 12, so Colorado <laughs> might be fine. I don't I don't think Arizona State's ready to be there. Their offensive line, their offensive line might be better. It looks like they're recruiting pretty well. They've got a portal stuff. Obviously, you got to get the freshmen developed, but yeah, freshman O-line or still freshman O-line. I yeah, I don't think Arizona State quite gets there, but that my wish is definitely a Pac-12 Big 12 championship game. I'm I'm very much going for an Arizona Utah championship game. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I mean, I mean Utah should should run through the Big Twelve next season. I don't think that there's any reason they shouldn't. And Utah, I mean Arizona, I feel like they're they look really really impressive. I'm really curious to see what they do. Anyway, uh, Avery, 
What about you? What's on your wish list for a specific team or a group of teams or a person or however you want to go here? What's on your wish list? For the sake of Oregon State and Washington State, I am asking Santa to go back in time and d- dismantle UCLA and USC as football programs in like 2015. Mm. Because I feel like that would have maybe prevented realignment from happening. Maybe, maybe Larry Scott, which is sad that I'm saying this, would have had another moment of like, maybe we should add more teams now that UCLA and USC don't exist. That's true. And have been wiped off the map. Because we know that he was not scared of expanding the conference at the very least, despite everything else he did. Um, and we might still be Pac-12 fans next year. Yeah. I You know, I, more and more I think about how this whole thing went down. I think George Kliakoff was taking a measured, sort of like calm, patient approach. And I almost wish what it would have been like if there was like a desperate, like if the Pac-12 got desperate. What would it have looked like if the Pac-12 got desperate right after USC and UCLA leave? Because the Big 12 got desperate uh, and it ended up saving them. And the Pac-12 was not desperate at all. They sort of said, no, we'll figure it out. We'll be fine. And, uh, you know, here we are. I don't know. It just feels like maybe some desperation would have been would have been useful. Some panicking. I think they should have panicked a little yeah. bit. Anyway, Matthew Hubertson, what's on your wish list for Santa for any of the Pac-12 teams this year? Um, my uh, genuinely like it's the Utah Arizona championship game in the Big Twelve. I, my other wish list is for both USC and UCLA to win no more than three combined games next year. <laughs> that would be very fun. I also am rooting for that. So uh, you're right there. Um, yeah, I've got I, I my 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 wish list for Santa is that uh, both Cal and Stanford finish under 500 next season. And in five years, those programs, or at least Cal, has been relegated to the FCS or Division II. Um, I think that's entirely possible. They might get left out in the cold again um, if the ACC falters and you know Florida State do- goes crazy and Clemson decides to join them. We will see. But I am, I am hoping that uh, those two programs just wither away. Um, okay, we got another holiday holiday game here. Just one more. Let's play a little naughty or nice. Here's how it's going to go this year. I got a list of people and topics here for you all, and you're going to tell me if they are naughty or nice. Okay? First one, Kenny Dillingham's first season at ASU. Uh, this is a brutal season, generally, for ASU, record-wise. Uh, they went 3-9, and nine, but there were flashes of promise. They had a nice win here and there, uh, but they also got throttled in some other games. So all things considered, when you look at the whole picture, Matt, let's start with you. Kenny Dillingham's first year, naughty or nice? Um, it it has to be nice, but that almost feels like it's the antithesis of what should be happening at Arizona State. Um, feels like there needs to be more fuckery going on, and and makes you question whether or not this is going to work. Interesting. I think considering the recruits he's pulling in, there's probably a little bit of fuckery happening <laughs> okay. at Arizona State. That's fair. <laughs> they are pulling in some guy. Reed, what do you think? You agree? Naughty? Nice? I think it's naughty. I was going back and listening to our preview episode and some of our hot takes and early predictions. I think Arizona State was a team we were universally higher on uh, than the level they played this season. Uh, So it was kind of disappointing. I think a lot of us thought like there was more stuff going on under Herm that kind of sabotaged them than was a result of their like talent and roster strength. There were some injuries this year, but we also learned like this was not a bowl team. I don't think even at health at fully healthy they were a bowl team. Yeah. Uh, 
And honestly, some of the successful moments they had with the swinging gate and the Jalen Conyers snaps and everything were a little naughty even when they won. (laughs) Sustainable and repeatable. (laughs) (laughs) Grapes, naughty, nice. What do you think of Kenny Delano's first year? Similarly to how um, Carlos talked about Colorado, I may have inflated (laughs) Arizona State a little bit more than they should have been. Um, Most of it was a joke, but some of it wasn't. I think it's his first year as a head coach ever and his first year at the program. It's I don't expect greatness immediately, especially with how things ended last season. So I think it's nice, probably. I don't I don't want to put grapes on blast. I would never do that. But if I wanted <laughs> if I wanted to, I would bring up that she had them finishing fifth this year. I also if, I don't want to put Reed on blast, but he said that Oregon and USC would be in the conference championship game with the two game lead over everyone else. I mean, just, they, they did so have I, a... I just had the wrong team. If it was Washington <laughs> instead of USC, I was right there. Arizona was Partially also one correct game. is not yeah, correct. Arizona's, Arizona's within a game of both I, of them. Is anybody else starting? I, I've complained a lot about the whole like sleeping giant idea with Arizona State. Is anybody else capital C concerned that like if it doesn't start to really work under Kenny Dillingham, that some of that shit is in the walls and that we just we we need to stop having the sleeping giant conversation? I think that who's having that conversation in the year twenty twenty three? Yeah, I feel like it's been a couple. I mean, I it's had, been a minute since we've talked about Arizona State's a sleeping giant. I think exactly one year ago. <laughs> I think like what? <laughs> I, that's true. That's true. I think the problem here's here's what's most concerning to me about Arizona State. They are now getting a little too comfortable with being a losing program. They they have had back to back three nine seasons. They had one losing season in the regular season just once since two thousand nine, um, and they went four and eight, five and seven. Three and nine last year was their worst record in program history. They repeated it again this year. I think the the most concerning thing a program can do is tolerate being dog shit. Um, and Arizona State has tolerated it. It allowed it to happen in the first place, hired a guy. And they're sort of, I don't know, Arizona State has sort of like been, and Arizona State fans are like, this is a rebuilding year. This is what's going to happen. As soon as you start thinking that you're rebuilding years, you expect three and nine and four and eight, like UCLA. I think, I don't know, I think you're in weird situations. You, Arizona State doesn't have rebuilding years like this. This is the first time we're really seeing them have a rebuilding year this bad. But what do you want them to do? I mean, they. And it's two I, they, games off their average. I don't. They waited too long to fire Herm, definitely. But like this year, I, I don't think, I think the fans should feel fine about it. I mean, I said it. It was a little below my expectations, but I don't think that was a result of what Dilly did. I think we just realized this roster wasn't quite as good as we thought it was. And Herm's done some damage in recruiting stuff. Like they need to give Dilly time. They can't fire him after this season, obviously, but they can't fire him even like until year four or five, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, uh, yes, they can't fire him uh, given the situation, but. Also, it's like Arizona State fans are kind of loudly on Twitter just sort of talking about how their NIL situation is fucked up. You've got Arizona State fans. You've got the Arizona State message board writer um, for 24-7 telling us that there's too many sports, that they have too many sports. They're funding way too many sports. Um, And I don't know if that's necessarily true, but certainly the problem is, is that Arizona State fans are seeing that Arizona State is not spending much money right now. And I think that's scary. I think I think that is probably the scariest thing. Arizona State has had a pretty solid commitment to football, even if Herm Edwards was a bit of a higher on the cheap. 
Um, but their assistants were, you know, pretty decent. They're not getting highly rated assistants right now. They had to dig in for Marcus Arroyo um, to as their as their offensive coordinator, which they shouldn't have to pay an offensive coordinator very much because Kenny Dillingham should be that. But um, I don't know. I guess I'm. I guess in the context, I'm like, I guess nice just because of all the injuries and stuff they dealt with. But they sh- this program generally should have more talent available to them when they're committed. Um, I don't know. There were also, you know, I think when you contextualize it just within the context of this season alone and what they had, they were four games. They, they had four losses. Four of their losses this year were by a score. Um, and, you know, I guess that's good. It's just that, you know, trajectory-wise – Arizona State's never had a had a rebuild like this before. Um, this is new for Arizona State, and I don't know. I think we're forgetting that this is it's weird. It's been a weird, weird two years. Um, next one, <laughs> we just talked about this, and I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. Maybe we all agree. Justin Wilcox's performance in year seven at Cal. The Bears go six and seven. Cal fans seem to be happy with this. I obviously think they're silly as hell for that. But what do y'all think, Matt? You can start us off. Justin Wilcox, year seven, naughty or nice. I don't think that you can talk about California's institutional commitment to football um, and then say that Justin Wilcox was naughty this year. I think this was an aggressively fine to good season for Cal. Interesting. Okay. Avery, do you agree? Nice. Uh, Don't the fans set the expectations for how season should go? Like if the fans aren't demanding that their coach be fired, then why should they fire their coach? Yeah, true. So would you say nice? Yeah, it's nice for them. Reed? <laughs> We're just gaslighting Carlos. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> put, um, put me down for nice too. I'm game. Yeah. Great <laughs> yeah. Totally. Extend. You're him. a bowl win away from your second best record in Justin Wilcox's tenure. <laughs> like if so they bad. win that game last night, they are seven and six, and that is tied with his twenty eighteen record. Yeah. Yeah, big naughty for me. I get that, you know, Cal was dead in the water after the Oregon game. They're three and six. We sort of talked about, okay, Cal, Washington State, Colorado, they're all in contention for a bowl game. The hopes are still alive, but a lot of shit needs to go right. You know, Cal had the easiest schedule of the three, but they also had the worst record of them. They end up getting it done. People are very happy about it. They end with three wins against frankly, some pretty bad uh, and or quitting ass teams. Um, I, yeah, I, I guess I'm of the opinion that this was naughty. I, I think Justin Wilcox is a naughty boy in general. I feel like this is not a good trajectory. I also think I maintain that Cal is in a worse position than Oregon State and Washington State um, in, in terms of their place in college football. I would much rather be Oregon State and Washington State right now than Cal. Um, and Cal can correct it. They can easily go to the Mountain West tomorrow if they wanted to, assuming they don't have to pay a ton of money to get out of the ACC now. But um, I don't know. I think I think I, it was naughty for Wilcox. I think grouping Oregon State and Washington State together is a bad habit. It's true. That we should it's make. true. Yeah. I, I, right. I, I think right. <laughs> Oregon State is, yeah, clearly ahead of Washington State. And I think Cal, I could see them fitting in the middle, but Cal's in a better spot than Wazoo. This is the fifth seven loss season in the last 10 years. Like this isn't an abnormal, like bad season for Cal. Nope. This is, this is exactly what they have been. Um, And in fact, going to a bowl game is probably makes it just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, last one, the PAC 12 as a whole, Uh, obviously we got more football left in the bowl games, but the league 
has two top 10 teams, two teams still ranked in the AP poll in Oregon State and Arizona. It's got eight bowl games, uh, eight bowl teams, all that sort of stuff. Grapes, let's start with you. Relative to what you expected of the Pac-12 in its final year, what do you think? Would you say the season was naughty or would you say it was nice? I mean, it's probably the best season in the Pac-12 era, right? Uh, for me, I hated it because it's ending and that's fucked up. But if you're a fan that like football won't change for you after realignment, first of all, I hate you. <sighs> Second of all, yeah, it was a good season. I, wow. Okay. Um, I'm, I feel like I, I disagree. I, feel. I, I don't know. I feel like really. I don't know. I do. Let's see, Matt. We have a playoff team. It's true, Matt. What do you think? Naughty or nice? This whole yeah, Pac-12 not, season. Not nearly enough is my problem. Not nearly we naughty two enough. Two playoff teams. Right. Like I, it, I, it was good. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. And I'm fucking disappointed in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I suppose so. I mean, Reed, what do you think? Naughty or nice on this whole Pac-12 season? Yeah, I'm with Matt. It, the issue was it was too nice. Uh, yeah. Washington and Oregon not losing a game to anyone else the whole year was ju- just kind of robbed us of those typical Pac-12 after dark moments. The weirdness just didn't seem like it was totally there. Some of those curses we had falling apart. I don't know. I'm... Just it didn't it didn't feel like a true Pac-12 season in some ways. Yeah, I I feel like it was it was I guess nice just because like you know we got Washington they broke a curse and they go to the playoff and or the Oregon Washington game the rematch we wanted it did end up happening um, as we had hoped uh, the Washington Oregon game was as good as we thought but everything else just felt pretty pretty I don't know bland. Last year, we talked about this on our Patreon episode. Go stream that if you want a full conversation about this season. I felt like last year was just, like, more fun to follow. It felt like we had – I mean, I think I can name one game that was like, wow, I'm going to remember that game for forever. That was the Oregon-Washington part one. And maybe I'll remember part two. I I don't know. It was was a less interesting game, I think. Last year, there was several. Utah-USC, just a game – the first one, uh, I remember that very clearly. We'll always remember it. The Oregon-Washington game – in Eugene, we'll always remember that one. The Oregon-Oregon State game, I'll always remember that. The Washington-Oregon State game, I'll always remember. Like, those were top-tier fun games. Um, and it felt like just too many teams fell apart. Uh, and he had too many teams that were kind of too good, and everyone else is just too mid. Arizona, even. Did Arizona have a memorable game other than, I guess, the USC loss? Not really. They beat the shit out of everyone they were supposed to. Maybe had a couple close calls with like Colorado, but I'm not over here being like, yeah, that was a great game. So um, I guess the non-con was fun. You know, TCU Colorado was a blast. Absolutely loved that game. Colorado, Colorado State <laughs> almost broke up this podcast. <laughs> so there was some fun non-con stuff, but you know, nothing between the teams. So I'm going to say naughty. I think relative to my own expectations, I think this was, this was a bit of a naughty season. And and also, like, we get a lot of people talking about how, like, this might have been the best Pac-12 season ever. Like, that's – and, and like, you look at SRS, like, it's not even close. It's not. Like, SRS, this season was on par with 2012, 2015, 2016. Like, 2014, 2015, 2013 are all far, far higher rated. Yeah, the 2013 season, I think that is the benchmark for, like, great Pac-12 seasons. If you're, like, a new to the Pac-12 and, you know, you aren't, like, a big Pac-12 head, that year had five 10-win teams. Stanford and Oregon were sort of sitting at the top um, of those teams, of the of that league that season. Um, you had Arizona State, UCLA, and USC 
genuine Pac-12 South contenders. That was the year people were saying the Pac-12 South was a stronger division than the SEC West. Um, That was a whole discourse. I remember being like, oh, yeah, you know, people are like Alabama and LSU and they're really great teams. And people were talking about the Pac-12 South is on par. Um, So... You know, it wasn't that season. And also, that season kind of was annoying, too, because Oregon and Stanford were just clearly better than everyone else. So the South kind of beat up on each other, and that was a fun race to watch. But I don't know. I would have, I guess this season would have been more interesting if Arizona actually was the team that won the Pac 12 South. It actually would have been fascinating what Oregon might have gotten into the playoff if they didn't have to play in the Pac 12 championship game. Um, I don't know. Could have been interesting. That so, Oregon Stanford game kind of sucked, though. <laughs> yeah that like yeah, that was it was not one a of the fun lo- yeah yeah and stanford went up like 20 points or like it wasn't one of the mm-hmm. best games between those two schools in the early 2010s yeah yeah that's right um anyway so that's it that is our holiday games before we shift over to basketball let's do some football game predictions Uh, do we have a standings update, Matthew Richardson? No, because I um, don't listen to people other than myself, and so I didn't. I, I have no idea who everybody picked last. That's week. fine. Avery's last. That's all we care about. Um, we got one football game. This podcast sure loves women. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, well, well. If it isn't the consequences of my own actions, <laughs> you decided this. You chose this. I did. <laughs> this is my fault. Um, one football game this week, Saturday, four thirty p.m. in the Las Vegas Bowl, taking place in Utah's second home. Allegiant Stadium. The Moose host seven and five Northwestern. Utah are six and a half point home favorites. Matt, who wins? Who covers? I don't know. There's going to be six and a half points scored <laughs> in this game. This is what's the, what's the over under? Do you know? Uh, no, I do not. Probably forty. Forty. That's crazy. If it's forty, I'm going to lose my mind. I'll look it up right now. Um, I I think Utah will be generally healthier. Um, and so I I am picking Utah. Um, I don't, I don't feel great about it. I definitely don't love them to cover. I, this screams Utah winning on a field goal to me. The over under is 41 and a half. Good job, Avery. My Ooh. goodness. That's, that's tough. Uh, so did you, you did, you picked Utah to win, but not cover. Correct. Reed, six and a half points for Utah. Picking them. It's in, it's in Salt Lake City South. Right. Yeah. I see the, uh angle you're going with on this one already um <laughs> where is, the game where is this game being played <laughs> i have no clue i mean i yeah i have no clue what we're gonna get from utah i think i think i'm gonna go with northwestern not really for any reason other than i just think northwestern cares about this game more than utah does this is like a better season for northwestern than it is for utah by their standards so i'm going northwestern let me do let me do a little history i'm gonna ask matthew Ritson a couple questions here matthew Ritson, what uh what happens when utah doesn't make the conference championship game and goes to a bowl game they ever lose Fucking, I don't know. No, they don't. They haven't lost a bowl game. It's been game. 17 years since they've played in a bowl game <laughs> that wasn't off of the conference championship game. So. Uh, the last before, one was in 2017. Before uh, Utah this started is a winning. blood program. We don't care about mid-tier bowls anymore. I think anymore. they only had they only have the one loss. Yeah, before Utah. To Boise State. Yeah, before Utah uh, started winning conference championships and going to conference championship games, 
they were a juggernaut in these exact kind of bowl games. <laughs> uh, yeah. Before they were susceptible <laughs> to the Pac-12 title game loser curse, before they had to go and play Ohio State and Penn State in the Rose Bowl, they got these games uh, against a team like Northwestern, uh, these other not very great teams in the Big Ten, the Big 12, and they kicked Alabama, ass. They not very good. <laughs> and they kicked ass. Uh, they have not, before 2018, when they have not had to play a bowl game after a Pac-12 championship game, uh, they had won five in a row. Um, they had only lost one in the Kyle Whittingham era. And in fact, uh, Avery, I don't think they had won. They had lost one since 1999. So I'm going to pick Kyle Whittingham with preparation over a bad Northwestern team. Give me the moose. I was actually thinking about this. And if you didn't know, Kyle Whittingham ha- was tied for the best bowl game win percentage in college football history prior to losing the conference championship game to Washington. And I've been wondering why hasn't this man retired? Why is he holding on? He told us he was retiring. It's because he wants that stat back. <laughs> this man is playing for these bull wins. He's like, I will not I will not be behind anymore. I need to win these. Uh, he's like, that's why he tanked the season just to get a better matchup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I tried the Rose Bowl thing. It didn't work. We have to go back to what I know, which Can't is rising, like, you're taking an injury wrencher. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully Utah doesn't have Northwestern disease because we all know how that went in 2018. But I, I think Utah will win that this one. That was a Pac 12 title game, Chris. Las Vegas Bowl. Um, Utah has never lost Las Vegas Bowl. This is a different matchup, by the way, since they've ever done it. It's not the Mountain West champs anymore. Utah loves Las Vegas. They love Las Vegas. They love Las Vegas. I think this is going to be a fun crowd. Um, So yeah, give me give me the moose. I feel like I don't know. I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting. I'm really curious to see what they do in the Las Vegas Bowls. Definitely definitely tuned in for this one. All right, that's it. That's all we have. Let's take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we will do some basketball discourse. Don't go anywhere. Pac-12 sickos. I finally got my UCLA bomber jacket from home field apparel and this shit is so slick totally worth the wait it is absolutely gorgeous it's hefty it's perfect especially for the uh, winter months that are coming up this jacket is super well made super comfy i will absolutely be wearing this to any and every ucla basketball game i go to and maybe some other non-UCLA games too. I think that would be kind of funny. Uh, Homefield has bomber jackets for dozens of other schools if you're not a UCLA fan, including several Pac-12 schools like Arizona State, Colorado, USC, Washington State, uh, and several others. But you might want to nab one quick because they do seem to be selling out fairly quickly. Arizona and Washington, for example, have had their bomber jackets sell out already. So go check it out at homefieldapparel.com. My only other note is that you might want to buy these in a size larger than you normally do. They do run pretty small, so try getting one in a size size larger than you normally do. Even if you get one that doesn't quite fit, though, Homefield has been super accommodating when it comes to exchanges. I got a bomber jacket in my normal size, and it was a little too small, and the Homefield team hooked me up with a quick and easy exchange just like that. Uh, it was fantastic experience anyway these jackets own get yourself or someone you love one of these i am certain they won't regret it thank you to homefield for creating these beautiful pack pro bomber jackets and for sponsoring this podcast we are back matt is gone so you know what that means let's talk some basketball we had another fun slate of games on saturday so let's get right into it 
Let's start with the overall number one team in the country, Arizona, falling to number three, Purdue in Indianapolis. Purdue got up big on Arizona, leading by as much as 15 in the second half, but Arizona battled back to make this competitive before ultimately falling to the Boilermakers, 92 to 84. Caleb Love seemed to be the best player for Arizona in this one. He had 29 points off 19 shots. Keyshaw Johnson turned in a good game statistically. Uh, look, I didn't get to watch this game because I'm fucking Peacock and I'm not paying for Peacock to watch one game. Uh, but I did watch some highlights. I read some stuff from some smart Arizona people like the homie Brian Peterson from Arizona Desert Swarm to kind of get a sense of this one. Reed, I'm not sure if you uh, tracked any of this game, but did you have any, any reactions to this game that we could not watch because it was on Peacock? No, I think let's just play the guessing game because none of us could watch this stupid fucking thing on Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I just like, I it's absurd. I'm like, really, this is the thing I am most annoyed by with UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten and now Oregon and Washington. It's like they're going to have these Peacock games and like we're going to pay six bucks to watch a game, probably two games a month or something like that. Like, it's ridiculous. I'm so not looking forward to that. I hate this media landscape. This is what people wanted. This is what people that wanted realignment. This is what you get. This is what you earn. This is the consequences of people's actions. Um, Yeah, I guess uh, we couldn't watch this game. I was really, really bummed because I was really excited for this game. Saturday morning, I'm like, all right, man, where's this game? Where's this game? What channel is this game going to be on? And then it was on Peacock. (laughs) No channel. Peacock. Peacock. It's like getting coal in your, your, um, what do you call it? Coal in your stocking. Stocking. Coal in your stocking. Yeah, from what I caught up on, I mean, it it didn't seem like that crazy concerning to me. It felt like Purdue kind of just went on a run. Arizona battled back and, like, admirably kept it close, but it was too little, too late a, a bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, Purdue seems like a good team. I know it was funny. You made some joke about the March chokers, whatever. <laughs> but, like, I, I, you know, I think, like, it's given the games Arizona's won this season, this isn't like some black mark to me, but I don't know. I don't think it's a black mark at all. Um, I do that just, just to make Arizona fans mad. Um, I think, I think there's, it did reveal some concerning things though. Uh, Purdue kicked ass offensively in this game. I think Arizona did not have many answers for their guards. I think what happened was in my reading and looking at the highlights, um, what seemed to happen to Arizona was that uh, they were, they were kind of backing off screens and um, uh, and letting Purdue get a bunch of mid-range shots. The problem is their guards are really, really good at knocking down mid-range jumpers. And so what happened was Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, Purdue's guards, combined for 53 points in this game. Zach Eady, I think they neutralized him pretty well. He had 22 points, but only 15 shots. Um, so they didn't – he wasn't – he was a factor, obviously, a big part of that and a big part of why Arizona was just – hedging to go back to the paint to defend but i don't know i mean it's a kind of a little concerning in terms of arizona's defense i think we all thought yeah these arizona guards are really good their defense is insane and they kind of they kind of got worked here uh offensively by by purdue so that's probably the one thing that is worth taking away from this game at least from the distance that i had the other is Caleb Love, Caleb Love. I was following this on. Tw- I was following the game on Twitter, like just people's tweets, and it seemed like he was keeping Arizona in this game by himself. It was a bit of a blowout, you know, ten, fifteen point game. It got up to seventeen at one point, um, and Arizona sort of just stayed connected purely on the brilliance of Kevin Love. Uh, Caleb, Kevin Love, Caleb Love. Uh, he had nine for nineteen shooting on the game, four for nine from three, and twenty nine points. So. 
And Keisha Johnson, another player that people seem to really be impressed with. One that they didn't, though. Um, people were pretty upset with Pella Larson. Uh, Twitter was sort of thinking that he was going back into his old uh, his old tendencies of just disappearing during games, not playing really well, not being super engaged. So he was taken a little bit out of the game. That's a little concerning because he looked insane um, just about a week or so ago. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Any other thoughts about Arizona-Purdue? I feel like it's the best loss you could ask for at this point, yeah, right? Gonna if you're going to lose a game. Yeah. Like, I don't think this should be discouraging no. at all. They were not going to go undefeated. They already had some big wins. Uh, they beat number 12 Duke in Ken Palm. Number 12 Duke. They beat number 23 Michigan State. Uh, they beat number 16 Wisconsin. Beat the shit out of number 16 Wisconsin. I don't know. I think it was probably unreasonable for them to basically play on the road against Purdue uh, and win that game after all of that they've done in the non-conference season. Um, they do have, they've got two more non-conference games left. They're both really tough games. They've got a really hard stretch here. They get Alabama in a game in, I think this game is in Phoenix. I'm pretty sure. Um, so that game, uh, is going to be a home game for Arizona. Most likely they play Alabama. Alabama's number nine in Ken Palm. And then they have to play Florida Atlantic number 15 in Ken Palm. Florida Atlantic has had um, a pretty good start to their season, had a really bummer loss to Bryant early on, had a loss to Illinois that was pretty competitive, but they also got a couple of big wins for themselves too. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. I think Ken Palm has them favored in both of those games. They have they have Arizona favored in every single game they play. Arizona will almost certainly still be a one seed. How high they'll be, whether they'll be the overall number one seed again, like they were two years two seasons ago, we will um, we will see. Gonna be interesting. Next one here, another important game for the Pac-12. UCLA loses another close game in shockingly similar faction to their other three. This time to Ken Palm's number twenty six team in Ohio State. This was a uh, back and forth for the most part until Ohio State pulled away late to nab a 67-60 win over the Bruins. Lost to digest in this one, but Reed, you got to watch a little bit of this one. What did you think? Yeah, UCLA continues to just be kind of frustrating. I think there's some pieces there. You know, the defense is pretty good. Uh, I mean, this is a horrible shooting game for both teams. That was <laughs> a dodge again. If you're watching this, it was a fucking mud fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two for 24 from three. So it was, yeah, it was a mud fight. Kind of the type of game I feel like UCLA is known for in some ways. But, um I don't know. There, there continues to be kind of that gaping hole when I watch UCLA of like, shouldn't they have a guy named Hame Hawkes out there who like you <laughs> go to in these moments and you have some sort of identity? Um, and they're still struggling to find that, it feels like. I don't know. It, it didn't. I was like told that this would be an ugly start to the season by UCLA, and I was kind of encouraged by um, the Marquette game and the Gonzaga game. And then now it's kind of settling in to be ugly, but not necessarily in the ways I thought. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's ugly. I I personally sort of anticipated UCLA losing its games against good teams, and I honestly thought they might drop one to a team preseason, might drop one to a really, really bad team, like a UC Riverside or something like that. They haven't quite done that yet, um, and hopefully they don't. But yeah, I mean, they're they're really competitive. I think it's... People are sort of dunking on UCLA because they've lost four now. They haven't beaten anyone good. And and I'm just sort of like, this team is ultra young. Uh, they had by far the least number of returning minutes, the least amount of continuity, the least experience. 
in the Pac-12 by far, by a huge margin. But also, in terms of D1 experience and continuity of minutes, D1 experience per Kempom, UCLA is number 323 in the country. I believe they're one of there there's only one other power six basketball school who has uh less experience i believe that's notre dame um i'll go back and look at it but they have an absurdly small amount of experience uh on this team they just it's a young team and they're playing with they're playing right there they're to, they're playing shot for shot blow for blow with some super experienced and talented teams. Ohio State, not that experienced, but pretty experienced. They bring back a lot of continuity. Villanova was very experienced. Gonzaga, really experienced. Marquette, very, very experienced. And they're going shot for shot. So I think that's all you can ask for. I think my big concern is, uh, number one, making sure that they they grow. And there's other sort of individual players that I think probably need to see some growth. But number two, does the losing get to them at any point? You know, like, can they stay mentally tough enough to be like, yeah, all right, we lost another one, and we lost another one to a good team, and we were right there, but we fucking lost. Can they maintain the composure and their mental toughness and their fortitude, and can they build enough fortitude to say, yeah, that one, those games, we were close, and they were positives, right? Can you take them and sort of say, yeah, we're... Because I think there's a world in which they just lose these games for a little bit, and they start to get used to losing. Um who knows? We'll see. But this has been a, an encouraging start for UCLA. I thought things were going to get much, much uglier than what they have. They have beaten every team they're supposed to. They have lost to every team they're supposed to. Um, none of these losses here to Villanova, to Ohio State, to Gonzaga, to Marquette are ones that you sort of looked at in the preseason and said they should beat those teams. Uh, I, I did not anticipate that they would. So I don't know. I mean, it's kind of weird to just be continuously encouraged by losses. But this is a, a a young team. I'm there's stuff at the margins here from Mick Cronin that I was a little like disappointed by. Uh, I was disappointed that in the rotations they've got some players on the bench that uh, Jan Vide and Ilan Fabri, uh both of them should be getting um, more minutes. They had a combined nine minutes, for example. Uh, Adem Bona I think has a lot of development and growth to do. Sebastian Mack a lot of growth and development. Look, UCLA just missed a ton of bunnies. They missed a ton of layups. Uh, and they probably should have won if they had gotten some of those. So I don't know. We'll see with UCLA. We knew that they were going to be ugly to start the non-conference. But any other thoughts about uh, UCLA here? The Bruins? I definitely think like the biggest thing for young players keeping in the game mentally after losses is not losing any upsets. Like losing to the teams you're supposed to lose to sucks, but it's expected, especially when you're young. So that should hopefully keep them like locked in still. But I, yeah, I don't think you can be too angry about losing to teams that you figured could be a loss. Yeah. I don't think you can, especially when you're competitive. And I, I yeah. don't know what the, I got to go back and look at the spreads, but like, it feels like to me, to my eye, they should be covering these games. And I think they are right They're I, I think the youth is getting to them and that they're not, these players are not used to going 40 minutes, uh, full on and, yeah. and playing with this level of physicality. They've had fantastic first halves in each of these games. Looked fantastic in each of them. Frankly, looked like the better team in each of these first halves and these four losses that they've had. But they lose it in the final 10 minutes or so. They don't have the mm-hmm. ability to keep up, be physical, um, and to keep up that level of physicality. They get worn down when you're playing against a bunch of seniors who are 22 years old, 21 years old, and they're used to this. Um, 
I don't know. It's sort of, that's what happens. In every single game, like, there's a little probability chart, and I look at each one of them, and they all have this, like, you know, they're expected to lose, they're expected to lose, and then there's a dip, like, just right after the second half starts, where it's like, wait a second, UCLA has a 50-50 shot here of winning this game uh, because they were expected to lose as much as they are, uh, and then it flips the other way, right? And it just tanks in the other direction for UCLA's win probability. It's happened almost every single game this season, so it's encouraging, and it is it does portray that, like, you know, UCLA just has a, is a little too young right now. I don't want to blame it on that like last second three from Ohio no, State, but, that but because <laughs> UCLA needs to be better at shooting, so that's not a factor. But Ohio State goes the entire game without making a three, and they get this one. Like that was absurd. That fucking sucks. That was absurd. Yeah, they they Ohio State shot one for fifteen from three. Before that three from who was that from? Um, God, it was from Jamison Battle, <laughs> the senior. Um, before that, it was like, okay. And that that possession, too, I remember that possession very clearly, uh, was a really good defensive possession from UCLA. It was a fantastic defensive possession. The guy has to, Jameson Battle has to chuck it up from like five feet beyond the three-point line, and he nails it. And that that pretty much ended the game. Uh, they were, I think UCLA was within two or three at that point, made it a two-possession game, and then it was the foul game all the way until the end. So, I don't know. <laughs> this UCLA team is cursed sometimes, but... You're right. They should have won because of the layups. Um, we'll see. I'm I'm curious to see what they do in conference play. These four teams, I think, will be better than every single conference team they play except for Arizona. And and we'll see with Utah. Utah's another tough game where I'm like, I'm sort of eyeing that one, and I'm like, mm, that might be a team that's right up there with an Ohio State or a, a Villanova this year in terms of what they are. We'll see. Um, but... Uh, the they get a good kind of tune up they get to play cal state northridge and they get a good test here against maryland maryland not a highly rated ken Palm team they're number 72 so it's right there in that range for ucla to be able to say hey we're at the very least we're clear firm top 40 team in the country right now let's see if they do it um okay any other thoughts about ucla before we move on rapid fire there we go let's do it rapid fire First game of the slate, Wazoo got its ass kicked 69-61 by Santa Clara. Santa Clara taking down another Pac-12 team. I do not know what the fuck is going on over there, but they are now 3-1 <laughs> against the Pac-12. They notched their best win of their non-conference, but this is a Pac-12 podcast, so let's talk about Washington State instead. The Cougs got down big and never really got close again. The Cougs shot a season low of 33% from the floor and a season low 27% from three. They drop from number 47 in Kempom entering this game all the way to number 66. They're now 0-2 against the only top 150 Kempom teams they've played. Grapes, are you still a cougar believer? Cougar believer? Cougar believer? <laughs> they haven't. They haven't beat anyone. Like I don't know what to believe in. They've given me no data to show that, like, oh, they could actually be good. Other than how I felt about Kyle Smith going into the season. Like I still think he's a good coach, but you have you've only played two top 150 Ken Palm teams, and you've lost to both of them. Yeah. Uh, oh, Okay, boy, give me something to work with. Yeah, Boise State coming up on Thursday. That'll be an interesting game. I don't feel good about don't it. Don't feel good about it. Yeah, Boise State number <laughs> seventy eight. Sure. Let's find out. Later that evening, Cal took a huge step back, getting blown out by an undefeated Ole Miss team. They lost by ten, but the score was 
much worse than that for large stretches. Of, I think it was up to like 20. Uh, the Bears allowed Ole Miss to shoot 53% from the floor and a stunning 57% from downtown. Reed, is Cal in the shitter? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like they're kind of – they haven't played great teams, but they've like lost to some better teams than um, Wazoo has played, and they're the team that beat Santa Clara. So I feel like partially, <laughs> yeah, partially so they're a victim of their schedule as well. Like it's it's unclear. I feel like luckily these schedules are about to normalize in Pac-12 play. Yeah, we're we're. It's a good point. Yes, I think they're they're a bit strange and uneven. A bit later, Arizona State collapsed late against TCU. This game was actually very competitive until a bizarre sequence midway through the second half, where ASU forward Alonzo Gaffney got a technical foul from the bench. Yeah, how did how did that happen? Don't know. They didn't show a replay. Um, Alonzo Gaffney then ha- had four fouls at that time of that technical foul. That means he fouled out while he was on the bench because in college your technical fouls count as personal fouls. So he was on the bench and fouled out of the game, which was crazy in and of itself. That tech immediately then caused Bobby Hurley to lose his shit. He got himself a technical um, and he kept jawing at the refs. He had to be held back by players and coaches. Uh, before those technical fouls, ASU was down just three points. And this was late in the second half. TCU promptly, immediately went on a 14-0 run. Never looked back. They beat the Devils 79-59. Grapes, people pretty are pretty upset with Bobby Hurley here. Is this, uh, is this the moment where people might turn on Hurley and think it's time for him to go? I don't know how you can't. Because there's one thing about being a crazy little man if you're good and your team's winning and you're like achieving things. But if you act like this and you're not getting the wins and you're becoming like an actual detriment to your team, then yeah, you should hate him. I, I've always been wishy-washy on Bobby Hurley. I don't like his vibes. I don't like anybody that acts like that. I feel like it's very easy to become abusive towards the players. I, I feel like people should be upset with him. And I'm annoyed because I was trying to figure out what was going on with the Gaffney foul and I can't find any information about it. I anywhere. feel like I was the only one watching this game except with like five Arizona State fans. Um Reed, you feeling like uh the Bobby Hurley is this is this a sign that Bobby Hurley era is coming to an end? It seems like it, right? I mean, it's three years after his kind of peak. He's still underwater in terms of his Pac twelve record. He has a uh, he's 71 and 76 in conference during his time at Arizona State. So I feel like this is the year where he kind of needs to make the tournament um, and maybe make win a game there. And it doesn't look like he's destined for that right now. People. Yeah, people are still incredulous. There's some people out there who are like, you're crazy. You want to fire Bobby Hurley? Are you kidding me? He is an he has been pretty good at accumulating talent. I would say I'm not sure that this level of talent is up to snuff with what he normally brings in. And Arizona State doesn't have a rich basketball history, but I don't know. I mean, you can't you can't really Bobby Hurley does this thing where his temper causes Arizona State to lose games. Like he loses, he lost them this game. He did not have a good yeah. beat that his team would just collapse after that. They did collapse and they never came back. Ah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I feel like we're th- this was this has been the loudest I have seen ASU Twitter be about Bobby Hurley and the job he's doing at Arizona State. I will say it seems like it's it's hitting a crescendo. Um, shifting over to Pac-12 women's hoops, the league went nine and two over the past week. Last Sunday, after our episode ended, UCLA had a huge win over a ranked Florida State team. They beat FSU ninety-five seventy-eight at the Mo- Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut. That same day, 
Utah hung tough against the number one team in the country in South Carolina. I believe that was Utah's first or second game without their number two player, uh, Yana Neepkins. Alyssa Peely went fucking nuclear. She is on, like, if you have not had a chance to watch Alyssa Peely play basketball, absurd offensive player. Um, she went crazy in that one, but the moose fell just short to South Carolina in the end. Uh, that same day, UW beat number 21 Wazoo in the Apple Cup in Pullman. UW has had a quietly very, very good start to their season. They hadn't really played anyone of note until Wazoo, but they beat the Cougs and get a massive chance to prove themselves at Louisville, a ranked Louisville team this Wednesday. So that should be a fun game to watch. Arizona, they had the league's second loss of the week. They got handled by Texas on Wednesday, 88-75. They've had a bit of a disappointing start to their season early at 7-3. and um, And by the way, if you're tracking the Pac-12 Women's Basketball Player of the Year race, for those who are curious, Cameron Brink, probably the front runner right now. She's had an absurd start to the season and analytically the best player per player efficiency rating, per win shares, per box plus minus. But it is not, she's not running away with it. Reagan Beers, who won freshman and sixth player of the year last year for Oregon State, she's nipping at her heels. She's damn close to Brink in nearly all of those metrics. And Oregon State has had a sneaky dominant start to their season. She'll get a chance to prove herself against a very good Texas Tech team in Hawaii on Wednesday. And of course, Alyssa Peely, right in the mix too. She's been, she's damn near close to Cameron Brink and all those metrics, especially now that she, she, and she has a moment here where she was pretty much Utah's entire offense against um, South Carolina. Uh, we got a big week of Pac-12 women's hoops incoming. I can't wait for conference play to start because it's it's going to be a fucking war every single game. If you're wondering when Pac-12 women's basketball conference starts in earnest, there is a Friday game at Stanford-Cal. Stanford, I think, should beat the shit out of Cal. I would not. The real, real Pac-12 play starts in earnest Saturday, December 30th. Uh, there are two games that day. Maybe the best possible matchups that you could have asked for to open league play. Colorado hosts Utah. Both of those top 10 teams. UCLA hosts USC. Both of those are top 10 teams. Um, and they both feature some unbelievable players. I'll actually be at the UCLA-USC game. So I'll report back on that one. Uh, quick question for y'all. Do you have things you're looking forward to for Pac-12 Women's Hoops as we enter league play? Or maybe even some questions that you have as we go into league play? I mean, I'm fan-brained. So most of my thoughts are about Utah. I, I think they've been like showing a lot of promise despite not having Neepkins, which is a huge loss. And Alyssa Peely is just fucking insane. I've been seeing a lot of her highlights on ESPN, which just makes me so happy because women's sports deserve to be shown there. So I'm excited to see what Utah um, looks like as they continue to figure things out without Neepkins and hopefully generate more offense outside of Alyssa Peely because during that South Carolina game, it was really like holding my breath every time she was off the floor it was actually painful they hung they in did. there yeah but their defense is really good need... when Alyssa peely yeah. goes out and they've got a hole down the fort they struggle offensively but yeah but their defense keeps them in games it's really good yeah reed uh any thoughts or questions that we had as we head into league play for pac-12 women's hoops I, I think you hit it it's just going to be really fun to see all these teams actually collide week after week four undefeated teams and three teams outside of that group in the top 11. Um, sadly, my ducks, not anywhere near that race <laughs> and probably, probably the team that's going to get beat up on pretty bad through the conference slate. Um, so I am looking forward to picking which team I'm going to adopt uh, and do some propaganda for going into March. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great teams. I mean, Oregon's not horrible, but it does feel like they're uh, they might be scraping the bottom 
bottom there. Um, the cool thing is I feel like there just haven't been any like really, really horrible, egregious losses for most of the Pac-12 women's hoops teams. Maybe one here or there. But for the most part, they've done what they've had to do. Uh, Washington looks very good. And UCLA looks awesome. If you're wondering who the conference favorite, who's the juggernaut right now? Who's the team that everyone is looking to beat right now? I'd say it's Stanford. Uh, even though Stanford does have that loss to Gonzaga, um, they look a little bit vulnerable. They don't look completely unbeatable, but uh, Gonzaga, Stanford does have maybe the best player in the league. They've got a couple of other players. Their defense is fantastic, in part due to Cameron Brink. Cameron Brink is a fantastic two-way player. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I think we've got some really, really fun matchups. UCLA-USC, Juju Watkins versus... I mean, UCLA has a whole cast of characters. Charisma Osborne was last year's player of the year. Kiki Rice uh, as a top 10 player, top five player, maybe. So, uh, and then on the Colorado Utah side, yeah, Alyssa Peely is great. Um, Utah's got some other really fantastic players. Colorado's got, um, you know, sharpshooter Frida Foreman, fantastic player herself. So lots of really good players, lots of really, really good games coming up. We'll, uh, we'll find out how that goes. All right. That's all we have. Should be a big old fun Saturday for Pac-12 heads again. We'll be back here Saturday after the Utah Northwestern football games. That is our programming note. Join us then. No Sunday episode because that's Christmas Eve. Not that any of us are that religious, but uh, I don't know. Might as well. Might as well engage in some in some some holiday fun. Uh, stay tuned <laughs> to our Patreon for uh, bonus Pac-12 content. Subscribe to the channel. Like and comment away. It really helps us out. For now, that's Reed. That's Grapes. I am Carlos. That was Matthew Hubertson many, many, many moons ago. Thank you for subscribing to our <laughs> YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even <clears throat> one. Thank you. Sun